Hello, and welcome back to the Charles Podcast. Hello, Andrew Nimi. Hello. Hello. You caught me at a bad time. <laughs> I'm afraid to say. Why is it a bad time? I just did a test that you gave me that uh, investigates my, what do you call it, implicit bias. Mm-hmm. Turns out I'm a filthy racist. <laughs> so thanks for that. Okay, what Andrew's talking about is the implicit bias test. You can find them on the Harvard website. I can put a link in the show notes. In the show notes. If you would like to discover whether your implicit bias is towards the white. I mean, there are many tests. There's like a thin, a fat and thin one. I I just finished the fat and thin one. And I have apparently no preference no preference to fat people or thin people? Yeah. Your responses suggest no automatic preference between fat people and thin people. So it means that if I judge a thin person, then I have to, I am consciously judging them, which is worse. Okay. And if I'm judging a fat person, I am consciously judging them. It's not automatic. That's worse? Yeah, because I'm going, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I am going to sit here and judge this person because automatically i don't care whether you're fat or thin uh, right yeah, that's I mean, what it I guess says. so but i would think that's pretty good news that you're not automatically judging people un- unconsciously subconsciously meanwhile I... meanwhile me i'm i have a strong preference for white people <laughs> apparently according to this <laughs> test whereas your <laughs> test says you have a slight preference for black people i am so i mean a slight preference is that what it says is that the right language preference Your response suggested a slight automatic preference for black people over white people. Yeah. Slight. Not strong, like mine. (laughs) And towards white people, like mine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you bet. This is exactly what the Instagram police are shouting about. What? That you don't realize that implicit biases that we hold right and even though i am vehemently against the instagram policing of people you should do this you should read this you should stand out here you should go inside you should sit down you should shout louder that's fucking exhausting i had to excuse myself from the internet worlds because it's just too much don't worry i picked up your slack (laughs) i know you did and (laughs) it rendered you Angry and miserable the entire week. That's fine. Someone has to do it. Someone (laughs) has to be angry and miserable. It's it's too much. I think for each person, you must know that it is your work. You need to do the work within yourself. Rather than telling other people to do it or what? Yeah, because it is. It's a way to absolve yourself. It's a way to absolve the discomfort that you feel towards a situation when you're just projecting it out at other people. Like... No. Yeah. What if there's somebody who I either look up to in some fashion, I don't want to say idolize, but, you know, somebody that I admire and I see them talking about it on social media and they suggest doing this or that, won't that encourage some percentage of people like me who look up to that person to be a little introspective and check some some of these resources out or et cetera? Sure. There's a big difference between 
people sharing resources that they find helpful. There are some very aggressive messages on Instagram. Like, if you don't do this, then you're the problem. If you Mm -hmm. don't do this, then you are the problem. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that, that like, turns people off, right? Always. Yeah. It's like with anything. Well, if you tell me that if I never vacuum the apartment, then I'm the problem, then that's why the apartment is dirty. I am the problem, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm not saying... What we have to understand is that you cannot change somebody, right? You cannot change anybody. The decision I, to change must come from the person. I have to want to vacuum the apartment, perhaps. Well, not you, you might not want to, but the consequences. So you have to understand what the repercussions and consequences of not doing the thing are. Because that's usually what makes us take action, right? Yeah. Like if I just eat bonbons... My God, the quarantine spread is real, right? Like I've been just the eat- quarantine spread. <laughs> the quarantine spread. <laughs> that like that's like body spread. You mean? Yeah. Quarantine expansion. My clothes are a little bit snug, you know, <laughs> especially around the hips. I don't think it's just you. <laughs> don't worry. But I could just continue on that path, ignoring the fact that this is going to lead me to a place where I don't want to be. But you cannot force me to eat less you cannot force me to exercise more you you can't force me to do those things you can suggest like you say if somebody you look up to because that's why the people are you know those people are said to have influence people don't really want to be shamed right shamed into action or do they like if someone says like if someone says if someone else were to say like something about the covid the the covid spread what did you call it the quarantine spread (laughs) yeah (laughs) If they, like, noticed that you added a couple pounds? Yeah. Well, I mean, wouldn't that, like, you know, make you want to change your lifestyle a little bit? Or would it be just, would you just be like, F that person, I'm going to do what I want. And it's not until I feel like I need to change my lifestyle, then that's going to be the, be the trigger for it. Right. So it would depend who that person was, right? Not You don't take information from everybody, one person can be jumping up and down telling you that there's a fire. If you have no respect for this person, you just be like, okay, maybe they're just crazy today. Keep moving. Yeah. So I guess it would be... I haven't noticed any any additional pounds. Huh. Not, not a single one. Not a single pound? Nope. <laughs> You're just trying to balance for your pounds? I'm too, I'm too worried about my own pounds to worry about your pounds. <laughs> yeah, but the the this situation with the energy around race education mm-hmm. is it is a life and death situation as we've seen right so people are anxious to alleviate the discomfort that they feel around this issue so they like if i can just tell everybody so quickly yell louder yeah then it's going to solve the issue quicker i'm i'm personally enjoying the discomfort my own personal discomfort. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So why why are you shaming me for taking on all of the sadness and anger in the household <laughs> while, <laughs> while you, you know, you do, do things a little bit more efficiently and carry the torch and in your own way? But uh, I'm out here trying to tr- trying to wallow in the deep end of it all. I'm well, out there battling in the, in the Twitter streets. <laughs> Well, first thing in the morning. That's when it's that's that's the way to do it. I know. First thing when you wake up, open Twitter these days. You wanna you wanna feel alive? That's what you do. 
Yeah, by the time you come into the office at 7 oh, yeah. o'clock, you're already angry. Better believe it. It's great. It's not effective. You know, I strongly believe in the influence of your immediate circle. I think that's very powerful. Yeah. So I have spoken to all my white friends, all my black friends about how they feel and what what is going on. And I'm not, I mean, and it's not new for me. I bring these conversations up at dinner all the time yep. and make people feel uncomfortable because I'm usually, if I'm the only black person there too, I'll be the loudest about it. But I won't allow people to say, oh, you know, it's just the way things are. No, it's not just the way things are. And I don't know, what are we, where are we going? I don't want to just go on a rant. But I think it's counterproductive shaming people into seeing things the way you see them okay. immediately. However, it does not absolve you or the people who maybe follow you to take action, you know, to do the work. It is its internal work. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you make it somebody else's problem, oh, it's the protesters' problem, oh, it's the government's problem, then you're just trying to absolve yourself of the responsibility and, the, like you said, the discomfort that you feel. Yeah. I'm not trying to absolve. But you also are less effective when you are wallowing and in despair. It's less effective in what way? In finding creative ways to move forward, in finding creative ways to share information with people that they might be more receptive than just posting. I mean, first of all, the amount of information that's being posted. Mm -hmm. Nobody can take on all that information. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's impossible to read everything. So eventually you end up doing nothing because it's too much. Maybe. But like I feel like I have reasonable amount of patience with people when I post something and they reply to it with either misunderstanding or some other point of view that they might have. I feel like I'm relatively patient and willing to engage with them in a non-confrontational manner yeah no, so i don't you're very good at that so i don't think that's necessarily counterproductive no but i'm just i'm talking about wallowing i'm not talking about talking to other people yeah you know that that's very important maybe i'm not convinced you're not convinced i feel like the things i feel like the times which haven't really been that many but like i feel like when i'm really encouraged to do something or make some change it's when I'm really feeling like like it's required. Like I'm really not happy with something. Mm -hmm. And then I'm motivated to do something. Sure. So I got to go way down. <laughs> I got to oh, go way down to the bottom. I see. I see. So you have to feel I the feel most pain. The most uncomfort. Yeah. The most discomfort. Yeah, but I feel that discomfort all the time, right? Okay. Like I think about these issues all the time. Like, oh, I'd like to have a child. What if that child is a boy? Oh my God, now I have to teach my child how to deal with the police at 13? Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. No, I don't, maybe I don't want to have a child in mm -hmm. this society the way it currently is. Okay, what are you going to do about that? Tell my white friends who are just like, oh, don't worry about it. That no, open your goddamn eyes. No. I have to worry about no, it. No, we need soldiers. We have to, we have to make little soldiers. Foot soldiers. <laughs> Teammates. <laughs> That's how you got to look at it. 
Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I don't have all the answers. I just know that. I definitely don't either. Personally, you have to find what works for you, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of bypassing too. You can just be like, oh, I don't want to be involved in the in the negativity. Right. And so that's why you're off social media. Mm-hmm. No, no. I've been reading Angela Davis, a legend in the struggle of black and brown people, right? She's an activist and talks about how there's so much intersectionality of people struggling all over the world. And we really like to make it one person's issue or America's issue or South Africa's issue, but we can all learn from each other. She says the civil rights movement learned from the apartheid movement in South Africa and vice versa, Mm -hmm. you know? And so understanding that the plight is everywhere, not just local, but also understanding what the plight has been, like the history. Of course, you'll say all lives matter when you don't understand the history of slavery and racism and the structures of America. Mm-hmm. Of course, you'll say that. And you wouldn't be wrong because I'm sure you've had pain in your family where you lost a loved one and maybe it was not the way that, you know, not like an old person passing passing away yeah it's not that they're not wrong it's that they actually mean well with that with that phrase despite being ignorant to what the other phrase means well how how, how do you mean what is the the well meaning of all lives matter yeah well i mean it's it gets lost in translation somewhere along the line right so yeah but nobody was saying all lives matter before black people were saying black lives matter so it was a given that all lives should matter of course okay but they're when they're hearing it they're hearing something else and they're not putting like two and two together they don't understand that someone is starting with a handicap right or that they might have a head start they don't understand that the black lives matter message comes with something like we also matter you know it's not like they're just taking it at face value and not like putting it into the the bigger picture i still don't get what the well meaning is <laughs> what well what the well meaning of it is right because they're incorrectly assuming that the message is from a fringe group of people that's being selfish mm. yeah and that's that's why i am all for not running to jump into groupthink first examine yourself right Why do you think that? Before you type that on Twitter, before you yell that at somebody else, Mm -hmm. examine yourself. What? Why do you think that? Or you're just... Why do they think that that about the phrase, you mean, or about anything? Yeah, about anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the... That's actually part of, like, the the benefit of being on social media because you do get... You get a lot of, like, you know, just lunatics coming at you. But you also get, like, some rational people with another point of view that will bring up a topic that you actually don't have an answer to. Right. So that will cause you, hopefully, to investigate it, whether that's like, you know, looking at resources online or having a think about it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have definitely been guilty of just jumping on and being like, yes, that's wrong. That's wrong without thinking about it for myself. Mm -hmm. But then you feel like a total idiot unless... You're going to hold on to that belief even as you get new information. Well, what's wrong with feeling like an idiot? You're saying, are you saying people just don't want to do that? 
work or that's bad that you feel like an idiot? No, I'm just saying that feeling like an idiot has helped me take time away from something first to go, how do I understand this? Where could I be not thinking about this in an open-minded way. Mm. Then I ask people close to me because the the benefit of asking somebody who loves you or cares about you is that the response will be kind, most right. likely. The response will be in a way that doesn't make me feel defensive where I can't even hear that, oh, maybe I've been thinking about this incorrectly my whole life or even in a short amount of time. So... I agree with you. I think social media is very powerful in bringing up issues that are happening in our world. Mm. But before you jump on and typey type or yell at somebody, mm. step away and understand why do I feel the need to react in this fashion? Mm -hmm. You know, who can I talk to who will not terrorize or chastise me for my thought process? Sure. And sometimes there's people don't have that. Yeah. And that's the sad part. Yeah. I, I feel like that's, I've thought about that in like interactions with people on Twitter. And it's almost like the only explanation as to why someone could be like ranting away like all day. If you like look at their tweets, <laughs> like you can see like, <laughs> you know, 15 minutes earlier, 20 minutes earlier, an hour ago, two hours ago, three hours ago. And it's literally the entire day of someone yeah. just on Twitter, like, you know, engaging with people and that's putting it lightly. So it's kind of worrisome, you know, because the, often those are like the most angry people. The worst is that though those people attract the same kind of people. Right. So they just in an echo chamber. Yeah. Of Until I come in there and, <laughs> and help them. <laughs> yeah. Unless they don't want to be helped, in which case I just block them. <laughs> So I'm not sure I really accomplished much of anything sometimes. But one day Besides I, your anger. One day I will help somebody, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean wow. I'm just like wow. Yeah. Um, but if you do want some interconnectedness and an understanding of why we are where we are today, I recommend Angela Davis's book freedom is a constant struggle okay she talks about how a lot of times you know i we we went to the protest last week downtown yep and i was saying oh but you know there's where's the where's the leader mm -hmm. you know and that is also an erroneous thought line but his that's how history is written history is written in this manner that says we need this leader figurehead. and usually that figurehead is a black man so then people feel like they can't do anything without quote-unquote leader and so we sit back and do nothing but a lot of the times it is smaller groups of people organizing at the grassroots level mm -hmm. that influence change and that's why i am very much about talk to the person next to you hmm. that's the person you can impact or what is it affect sure affect change with the most because there's I was talking to Andrew last week saying the reason we can't hear each other is like people not being one or not wanting to even see that the system might not be working for everybody that the system is broken 
well, no, I don't think it's broken. It's working as designed. Yeah. Is because there's no stake. You and I are, are in relationship. I have a stake in hearing what you have to say in order to keep the relationship healthy and growing. Mm-hmm. So as beings, we've been told that, no, I'm an individual. I have to just worry about myself. And there's no stake for me understanding a brother or a sister or somebody else who might not even look like me. Mm-hmm. There's no, what do I lose? If I don't hear what black people have to say, what do I lose? My life goes on. Right. What do I lose? I think we have to get to a point where we say, oh, like, what is the, what are the stakes for me? What are the stakes for us? Mm-hmm. If we don't listen to what somebody else is saying that might be different to the way I see things. Yeah. And we don't need a Malcolm X, even though I am all Malcolm X. We don't need a Martin Luther King, even, the, you know, because all these movements, civil rights movements and apartheid were a lot of women. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of women, a lot of children. Really? Yes. And so, yeah, I'm very inspired by that. I'm very inspired that I don't have to have, you know, a huge platform to help progress and change our society and our world into a world that works for everybody, not just some people. So, anyway. They talk about your racist self. <laughs> yes, let's do that because <laughs> something has to change. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Damn it, Harvard. <laughs> Going through enough this week. <laughs> I think I screwed up the test somehow. <laughs> I, did, I, I did like the very first answer I, I got wrong. It's this green box check tap this side of the phone tap the other side of the phone for good bad whatever the very first one i got wrong and then i got a little flustered so Uh that's the excuse i'm Uh gonna go with no they said if you got enough wrong then you'd have to retake the test so you didn't get that many wrong because it's automatic right it's like the what the subconscious instinct it's not like oh let me think about that do i think black people it's very simple it's a very simple test yeah, and that's what... It... I'm very simply racist, apparently. <laughs> I need to do some work on myself before I get back to Twitter today. Oh, please don't go on Twitter today. No, I'll be on Twitter today. I don't know if I'll be posting. I'll definitely be reading, though. We are going to try and see if there's any uh, gatherings today, any any peaceful protests that we can go support. Yeah, Vegas has been, aside from a couple terrible incidents, uh, relatively peaceful. Every day there's been like uh, a gathering of some sort. Uh, Boosie mentioned we went to one downtown that was like a week ago. There was a couple shootings. Uh, One is a police officer who seems to be in stable, serious but stable conditions, last that I heard. So hopefully, hopefully good things. Hopefully he'll come out okay. Yeah, there was... A man with a rifle. At the downtown protest. And I didn't know, are you with the protest or are you against the protest? Like, yeah. I didn't understand. And that is not okay. There's so much, like, That's confusion not okay. and, and, like, different groups that are trying to, like, hijack the protests now. I was just reading about this in the Las Vegas Review Journal. Yeah. There's, you know, these groups. There's Boogaloos. The, there's the, yeah, there's the Boogaloo Boys or whatever the hell they are. There's the Proud Boys that are doing their thing. And, uh... Yeah, these people are like bringing these 
semi-automatic weapons and rifles and stuff to the and Molotov cocktails and apparently those are the guys there was I was listening to the police scanner and apparently the I, I heard that someone threw a Molotov cocktail went downtown and turns out that that's related to these boogaloo weirdos so craziness out there it's hard to uh keep up with all of it it is like pretty encouraging to see just such massive gatherings happening in all these different cities mm-hmm. and even internationally too right to see support come from people in other countries so that's pretty cool yeah i mean i just hope or even you know for like you and me and that we don't forget right like and we don't stop yeah because that's another thing that Angela Davis was saying in the book is like a couple of, no, it was in a newsletter that I get. And they were saying that the Black Panthers say that they didn't look after themselves during the protests. And so you have to look after yourself. You have to make sure that you are eating well, sleeping as best as you can. Imagine if they had Twitter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it would have been over. But you know, they, she says that they burnt out. And so as much as we need to be out there and doing the work to inspect our thoughts and beliefs, we should also remember to take care of the vessel that you're in because hopefully the, the idea is that if we get this right, then the world we will live in will be better, mm-hmm. okay? But also it might not be in our lifetime, which kind of sucks, but... So she says we ha- we can't think about just our lifetime because that's how you get tired. You know, you become, you know, 50 and you're just like, it's not going to happen in my lifetime that the kids do it. Mm. But also not looking after yourself means that you don't have the wherewithal to continue the fight. Yep. So what would, what would your, what would the world look like, Andrew, if with no racism, I guess, is the, yeah, what would the world look like? Do you mean like what, uh, changes could we hope to achieve through all this or even beyond all this into utopia are you talking about yeah because isn't that the idea isn't doesn't the the banner say shoot for the stars because if you miss you'll still be among the no shoot for the moon no no no, shoot for the stars you'll land on the moon if you miss. no it's it's shoot for the moon if you miss at least you'll still be among the stars okay i think whatever (laughs) but the the, the gist is that you shouldn't aim low aim high right so yes shoot for the utopia because maybe we'll get yeah what would that look like for you well i mean it's like it's interesting because like there's there's so much happening at the moment right now with the quarantine situation and with unemployment massive numbers and now this situation that happened in minneapolis and so you know, there's so much like pent up stuff as a result of all that, that people are encouraged to get out there and like, you know, partake because there's so much inequality, you know, and not just racial inequality, but class inequality mm-hmm. as well. And I think that's maybe where, sorry, to it's okay. people who say all lives matter are like, my life fucking sucks and I'm yeah. white or Indian or whatever. So fuck off with your old Black Lives Matter. Right. And so, yes, continue. <laughs> <laughs> get that ex- get those explainers in there. Um, th- so, like, I don't know if, if it seems like the immediate matter is police reform, right? So, well, there's certainly the call for 
abolish the police, you know, mixed in there too. But uh, it doesn't seem like it has quite as much support as some some reforms that could be brought to the table. What would police reform look like? You know, there's a few different things. Um, one thing that we were looking at was the, what is it called? Qualified immunity, mm. uh, getting that removed, which basically makes it impossible to bring a civil suit from what I understand, against police departments in the U.S. without there being, like, exact circumstances uh, in a previous case. Right. So qualified immunity in layman's term, how I understand it, is that if you lose a finger to a police officer, you cannot take them to court unless somebody else has lost not just a finger. If you lose your pointer finger on your right hand, you cannot take the cop to court in a civil suit in a civil suit unless Unless somebody else else had lost the right pointer finger and had won the civil suit and in the same jurisdiction i believe if you lost your pointer finger in las vegas and you live in new (laughs) hampshire you're shit out of luck yeah we're not lawyers but that's like generally the gist of what it sounds like i'm sure there's a lawyer on (laughs) who's a listener so anyway so anyway it makes it like uh, nearly impossible to bring civil suits against police injustices. Uh, and therefore, there are less ramifications for police abuse. Right. So that's uh, that's something that's taking immediate um, importance. And there was a bill that was passed earlier this week to get that, or not passed. There was a bill that was introduced earlier this week with uh, many co-sponsors. So we'll be following that, hopefully. Um, and then there's like, you know, more things that are on a i guess more local localized level where do you, do local state budgets really need to include such a massive number to where that's like it's like the militar militarization of uh police departments do they need all of this stuff all this equipment hmm. and then like should we look more into readjusting those budgets into more community uh, sourced groups rather than you know this bureaucratic police system mm-hmm. you know so it's more representative of the people rather than uh, something that is more, you know, top down that we have now. So things like that, things that we'll be looking at the uh, the format as it currently is and hopefully changing that. But then, you know, like you said, the bigger question is how does that address the broader picture where class inequality, income inequality uh, is getting stretched further and further? Certainly there's people that are angry about that equally as much as the current topic, right? Sure. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, and then you throw in all these bailouts for corporations and things like that. And people are having trouble getting their unemployment checks when, you know, there's only 20 percent of them that have been processed in Nevada or some some number like that. And corporations seem to get bailed out time and time again and pretty quickly. So there's a lot of things going on out there. But I was just trying to uh, see where, you know, like what a world that works for everyone is. Right. So I've said this to you for years. In my utopia, there would not be a prison system Mm -hmm. because a lot of the issues that prisons claim to solve, they actually exacerbate. Right. So what do you replace the prison system with? Give if people had what they need. I don't steal because I don't need to steal. Mm -hmm. If people had enough, they wouldn't want to take from you. Yeah, but. That's what people say. That ever, there's always somebody who will say there are bad people in right. this world. Right. <laughs> Not Boosie's utopia. And we are talking 
it is naive to say there's no evil in the world. Yeah. But the people who get the longer sentences aren't the people who cause the most trouble in our world. Mm -hmm. The people who caused the 2008 crash because of bad mortgage bonds. Yeah. If we're saying you are causing people, how many people probably committed suicide from losing their house job and these nice people are walking around. Mm -hmm. So in my utopia, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be ways for people to scam other people in this way. But also, prisons don't really work. They have many, many faults. I will give you that. <laughs> but what good, what one good thing? Because if you get arrested and you go to prison, yeah. please watch 13th before we have this, doc, this conversation. All right. I'll, I'll watch. Tune in next week for that discussion. But besides prisons, people would have what they need. If you are contributing to the society, because that's what a capitalist society is built on, right? Then you should earn a living wage, which does not currently happen. Right. Because um, I don't want to be like ideological on people. We don't need to take energy from the current situation. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that reform will help this situation. I don't. It might lessen it, and we have to be conscious of that and saying this is going to lessen police brutality, but it is not going to fix it. Sure. Because if you have qualified immunity, like if I do kill you, then what? Yeah, the question becomes, is the punishment enough to deter that sort of action? And I guess is the punishment of like lawsuits and prison, does that deter crime? Yeah, because what are they paying the lawsuits with? Taxpayer money. Right. That should be going to other schools, sure. health. So I guess then the next question would be, is there going to be enough outrage causing someone to rethink their actions or causing or creating better programs to prevent that sort of a thing? Otherwise, we all suffer, right? Monetarily. Say that again. <laughs> What programs? So if qualified immunity is taken away. Right. Then... So then everyone's liable to a civil suit. Right. Okay. So the hope is that either a police officer would approach situations differently because they're more at risk of penalties mm -hmm. or a police department would put programs into place in order to make sure that that sort of thing doesn't happen in the first place so that they're not at risk of penalties hmm. or there will be outrage amongst a population when they see their tax dollars going towards civil suits and then that outrage would cause police departments to change in some fashion like the outrage we saw for boeing getting trillions of dollars that outrage you're talking about <laughs> right. yeah that people well, won't the thing is that maybe if it's on a lo more local le localized level it's hard to really envision what tax dollars in a bailout form really means but if a town can't build something like that they needed or wanted because they have to pay off a lawsuit then maybe having that more localized action could be more beneficial i don't know though yeah who, i see who am i to say i see what you player. mean anyway the that thinking is only available to you if you do not have to worry about your three jobs 
because nobody who's working Uber, Lyft, Dash, Grubhub cares one iota about how the taxes are being spent because they don't have the time to care about that. Sure. So it's a middle class problem. So that's why I'm saying that, uh, that's why I say police reform cannot work because it demands of a society to be so vigilant into what's happening, which so-and-so cop did what, and now we can't get this school. Because that's not going to be information that's just like, oh yeah, unless media is going to be vigilant about writing about every single case and then giving the people this is what we can do, mm-hmm. how we mobilize in order yeah. to reduce this. That... We got to dox every single police officer that fucks up. <laughs> this is also why I come back to it's on individuals and families and circles of close people to begin the dismantling of these broken ideas. It's not going to work over some lord lording over the whole population or the whole state or Mm. the whole city. I don't see how that works because Mm -hmm. you can, what do I care what Carolyn Goodman says? I don't actually care. Even though she wanted to use us as a guinea pig, a guinea, what is it? She's gotten her wish now. Everything's open. (laughs) You know, like. She's living her best life right now. Everybody will say, well, wouldn't you be scared that your car will be stolen if there were no police? But not talking about the grassroots level the the roots of the issue mm-hmm. people with money don't steal cars that is why people are like why do black people commit so many crimes because they don't fucking have and everybody wants and everybody wants to feed their family so obviously no it's not obvious it's not obvious to I a know. lot of people I'm saying it should be <sighs> It's not obvious because if it was obvious, then we would be looking at these $4 trillion bailouts uh-huh. and talking about those things. So, Andrew Nimi, thank you for letting us uh, talk about our thoughts on the world You're at welcome. large. Yeah. And even though nobody knows everything, we appreciate you listening because, to be honest, I hadn't heard from Andrew in his I know everything. Anger. I know everything. Just read my tweets. It's clear. <laughs> and if you want to know everything, also read my tweets. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> Andrew didn't talk very much this week because he was deep in uh, yep. Twitter despair. So yes. this is the the conversation where we've been able to mm-hmm. talk about the world. Yep. I was doing God's work. <laughs> Okay, how has online poker been? Let's not really talk about it. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think I have a theory. About online poker? Are you going to say it's rigged too, like all the people? Nope. Who always write to you and say... Quite the opposite. Online poker is rigged, Andrew. No. Okay. This is about personal responsibility, actually, which is the opposite of poker is rigged. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've discovered, or at least it's... my theory is that you probably shouldn't play online poker when you are deep in the Twitter despair streets. <laughs> okay. Sorry, yes. I don't mean to laugh. You, 
but, you may have more of a proclivity to tilt your face off mm. after a long, hard session of Twitter battling. <laughs> <laughs> Which do you think is hot, harder? The Twitter battle or the online poker battle? Twitter, for sure. <laughs> Twitter will take you out. Oh, yeah. Twitter will take you out. It's a war. <laughs> it's a literal war. <laughs> okay, so you not if... only combined deep despair yes. with Twitter war. Uh-huh. You added online poker on top of that. Beautiful, right? PLO, too. Oh, yeah. Mm. online online four tables mm. what do you think you could have done differently Andrew I could have gone to law school <laughs> all those years ago did you want to go to law school never never my dad wanted me to really well he wanted us to do you know like do something where it's like good steady money yeah I don't blame him yeah sure yeah and you, know, you were just become like, a doctor or you nope. know, just something. I'm just going to be a degenerate gambler. <laughs> yeah. I Pretty know your much. mom's proud of you. Do you think your dad is proud of you? Yeah. Now or always? Do you think he was very disappointed when you didn't go to law school or follow that? I don't think he was disappointed in me. He might have been worried for me. But I think they probably just either believed or hoped that I had a good head on my shoulders. <laughs> that was a daily prayer. Please, Lord, <laughs> hope he has a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, and that I would probably, hopefully, <laughs> figure something out figure for myself. Out. Yeah, it took a couple of decades, but I think they're feeling okay. They, they can exhale. Yeah. Some relief. I think so. Yeah. Especially because of the, the YouTube thing. I don't know if they were really like, I don't know if before the YouTube thing they ever really got it or knew that I was like doing decent. Actually working. Yeah. With like a, it's definitely not steady income, but you know, like consistently winning. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they ever really understood what that looked like, but like, you know, once the YouTube thing became a thing, then. <laughs> Lots of things. <laughs> yeah. Once that became like my routine and. And, and again, I don't even know if they really understand how that works. You know, I don't know if they understand like YouTube revenue or affiliate revenue and and where that uh, fits in with poker revenue. You know, I don't know if they understand that complete picture. But, you know, having like American poker awards or, you know, an audience and things like that, I guess, translatable a little bit. So since we, we, we were dreaming about or talking about a utopian world, right? A utopian yeah. existence. What would your utopian week two? Yeah, it would be about day 12, right? Of the WSOP be going. Sure. What would that look like? Because obviously you would hope that it's not what it was the year before, right? What would you want day 10? How do, how are you feeling on day 10? Of, <laughs> of, well, a, of, of a typical of, WSOP grind? Yeah. Uh, hopefully still pretty fresh, although yeah. I, mean, I am getting older. So... <laughs> So you don't know what the freshness the 40th year would be like <laughs> wears off a little sooner but yeah day day 10 is still pretty early considering this thing usually goes for seven weeks or whatever okay so not even a quarter of the way over yet still going out playing every day oh yeah oh yeah um how much probably down a few buy-ins in tournaments how much tilt 
are we are we experiencing at this point in the world series <laughs> in of the, poker? In the fake WSOP? Yes. I'd say pretty mild. I'd say none to mild. Mm. It would have been cool, like playing tournaments and then also just hosting like the uh, the Andrews game concept thing, the mixed game of no limit PLO and short deck semi regularly mm. with like tons of people in town looking for a game. So that would have been cool. So on the tilt topic, we talk about this a lot, I know, but it's a really good topic. It, it impacts me a lot. Okay as well but so do you find your tilt is like five percent five percent five percent building on top of on top of itself or is it like zero to a hundred percent tilted or like zero to eighty percent tilted and then you know off the off the needle i'm not i'm not sure i get your picture so there's residual tilt yeah there's like long-term tilt is that different from short-term tilt Yes. Okay. So, okay. That's a but good. But they can both happen at the same time. So long-term tilt I think comes long, from, long, okay, explain. I think, I think long-term tilt will cause short-term tilt to arrive much faster. Sure. Okay. So do you think you have to resolve an issue for long-term tilt to no longer be there, right? You either have to do that or understand how to either play with it and be okay with it or live your life with issues and understand that you're always going to have issues in the background and be able to do your job without those issues being such an interference. So do you have to resolve all of your life's problems before you can play poker? That seems a little unrealistic. No, I'm just talking about your the issue that causes tilt. Yeah. So does, I, I mean, long-term tilt comes from poker, right? Like I have long-term it, tilt with regards to trading. Yeah, it can, but not necessarily. So if you you mean like if you're tilted in another part of your life, like right. you were this week. And yeah. Was that long-term tilt or short-term tilt this week? Medium-term tilt. <laughs> <laughs> but probably also long-term tilt. For, 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 from what? Just general people being generally dumb. You know, there's like, I've, I've never really talked about it, but there's there's like people that will occasionally pop up on the channel and like just you know either they need attention or they just want to snipe you for whatever reason mm -hmm. you know snipe me for whatever reason but they'll drop some dumb shit in the comments you know mm -hmm. and i just usually delete it and block them or whatever but it's always like kind of there in the background you know kind of brewing just like it is in america you know <laughs> So that's why I'm asking, is it is it like the you know, it builds like five percent, five percent, five percent, five percent. And that tilt yeah. that was building up slowly, is that now put into long term tilt? Sure. Or, and then short term tilt is what? Give me an example of short term tilt. Like one hand yeah. and you are then still in a good enough place to be tilted and then resolve that tilt in the short term and go back to playing good poker is that right, right? like short-term tilt would yeah just be that like based off of a poker hand uh or a couple of hands or like uh you're in the red for the day right and it's kind of annoying but your game hasn't really changed yeah still trying to execute your, your general strategies and when you have these underlying issues then it can just like put you over the edge you might you might realize it in the moment but you don't really feel like doing anything about it other than trying to get back to even or just, you know, playing a lot of hands. Mm -hmm. And that's about it. Yeah, because I'm not sure whether 
I just tilt easier or it's long-term tilt that causes the short-term tilt to come faster and more. I think long-term tilt is definitely more damaging. Than the short-term tilt. Yeah. I mean, so are you saying that we just have short-term tilt all the time? I think everybody's going to have both, but you can deal with long-term tilt. Like there's things that you can do to minimize that long-term tilt. Whereas short-term tilt, you sort of just have to roll with those punches, you know? Okay. Because <laughs> there's going to be swings, there's going to be variants, and there's nothing you can do about that. Right. And so it's generally going to be a little bit annoying. But, but long-term tilt is what takes you out. Long-term tilt, I think, are things that you should be working on away from the away from the table or away from the game or whatever it is. Right. And like actively either discussing them or thinking about them and figuring out what it is that you're tilted about and why. And like pretty regularly like minimizing that where you can. Okay. I mean, it just comes back to like having discussions, you know, with yourself or with your partner about where you are in life and things that are bothering you. Right. And communication and things like that. Hmm. Well, I mean, the reason I ask is because I'm reading the David Goggins book, right? I told you. Mm -hmm. And so he says he has, I don't know, he does like these mirror exercises where you make a goal to fix one thing in your life, right? So if you wanted to lose 20 pounds, then you would put on your mirror, I want to lose two pounds this week. And so you're just breaking it down into obviously a manageable chunk of thing to do. Yeah. And I said to you, like, trading less tilted. But I don't know if it comes from always long-term or short-term. Right. So that's why I was trying to understand from you whether it's, like, long-term causes short-term tilt. Is yeah. that the, the understanding? Well, just imagine, like, let's take Phil Galfond, who is just the poster boy for poker success and, like, just being a, like, cool as a cucumber kind of a guy. I imagine that Phil, for, I don't know, a decade or whatever, just assumed or knew that poker was the thing for him. Mm -hmm. And, like, he really enjoyed it, enjoys studying probably a lot more than I do because he just enjoys this thing a lot more than I do. And he just, like, knows that, like, this is for him and this is what he wants to do. So I feel like when you're on, like, that clear of a path or like that clear of a mission, then it's less likely that you're going to have long-term tilt, you know? Mm. Whereas if you're not even like that sure that poker is for you, like you might enjoy it, but you're not really that positive that it's like the career for you, mm. then it can be so much more frustrating to like lose or to like go through a downswing because you start, not only you have to deal with variance that's going to happen, but you also have to deal with the questions of, should I really be banging my head against this wall? Is this really what I should be doing with my time? Mm -hmm. Do I really enjoy it this much? Is it worth it? And then there's like all sorts of other factors that could come into place, like where maybe your partner doesn't really approve or you haven't had that conversation with them or whatever, whatever it may be, other things in life. So, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, but you could take that same approach as well with something that you're not 100% sure of, no? If you put parameters around it, right? Like if you say, well, I'll give myself two years. Yeah. Even though that's usually never long enough. Right. 
I yeah. don't know then. Well, it could also, I mean, it's hard though, because you, like if in that example, you could start getting pretty tilted, like six months in, if it's not going that well. And you could be like, I've already wasted 25% of the time or not wasted, but I'm already 25% of the way through. Right. So that's why I don't think the time one is a good, a good analogy or example, because it might not even have something to do with that. Like it could have something to do with like, I need to try and start making a certain amount of money so that something so that like I can move forward in life Mm -hmm. or I want to try and get to this point in life by this date Mm -hmm. or not date, but age or what is it? Whatever it is. All those things can like really pile up on each other, you know? Sure. Yeah. And then when you're in the middle of a session, it can be like just extremely frustrating. Do you think that somebody like whatever, Phil Ivy or Phil Galfond, so you have to be a Phil to be successful in poker, clearly. Phil um, Yeah. Phil Locke. Just change your name to Phil. Um, Phil Nimi. <laughs> Phil Nimi. It's a choice. Poker doesn't choose you. You choose poker. Or no? I mean, if you were writing rounders, you would say it the other way. But yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the idea, right? That I think it's just a way to take power away from people, like you say, responsibility, like making the choice. Because even if it doesn't work, knowing that you have choice, that is good. Like if you say, poker picked me and poker doesn't work out for you, then you're going to just sit around and wait for the next thing to pick you. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think Phil Galfond was like, I choose this thing. Yeah. And therefore, because I've chosen this thing, I will put my all behind this thing. Mm-hmm. He could have been a singer. He might have chosen. Maybe. He could have Pop been star. in a boy band. Yes. <laughs> the Phils. Phil and the Phils. Okay, this is getting really corny. <laughs> Phil and the Phils. Uh, but yeah, I, if you, if you, if you listener of the podcast have any thoughts on that, write to us. Hello at tellspodcast.com. Let us know if poker chooses you or you choose poker and how that affects your tilt. Did we get any messages this week? We did get a message from Kevin. He says, Hey, Andrew and Boosie, long time listener, second time writing in. Sup, Kevin? No questions, just some nice words here. All right. Being a fan of the podcast, avid vlog watcher, and even had the pleasure of meeting Andrew in Hoboken. How do you say that? That's right. Hoboken. Hoboken, New Jersey. I'm super happy the podcast is back and I've successfully convinced my girlfriend, Julia, to start listening with me. Hello, Julia. Hello, Julia. Welcome to Tells. Every weekend before we go to bed, we put on the latest episode and either discuss it until I knock out or talk about it in the morning. She loves hearing Boosie's insights and thinks you have great ideas on how to live a fulfilling life. Whoa. Thank you, Julia. Wow. That's quite a compliment and a lot of pressure. Yeah, no pressure. I can't wait for more (laughs) tips myself. He says she has no interest in poker other than the fact that I play it. And despite that, she has become a fan of the podcast. Hmm. This is what we like to hear. She doesn't like any of the Phil's. <laughs> Kevin and Julia, which Phil is your favorite Phil? <laughs> Hope this email can express some of the appreciation I have for the content you two put out. 
Thanks for being such an inspirational couple and individuals. You two are rock stars. Wow. Kevin glowing, and Julia. Glowing message. I'm glad I asked if there was any uh, any messages this week. I was going to read it. It's good for the ego. <laughs> Your tilted ego. Yeah. Very, very tilted ego. Hoboken, great spot. I think that's all we have time for this week. I agree. Thank I've you got so much. Twitter to get back to. Lord, Lord. <laughs> if anybody's a praying person out there, please pray for us. Yes. Andrew was so angry. I was like, what can I do? And I was just told to leave him alone. Yeah. Now you know. Leave me alone. So if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends. Leave us a review on iTunes. We like those reviews on iTunes too. Yeah. Even good. though we have to figure out Spotify because iTunes is going to die now. Okay. Let's and figure it out. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Okay. Until next week. See you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.